The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Welcome to Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow, and we are here today debunking the myths of reality TV real estate. If you follow me on Facebook, that means you have to drink because we're going to drink every time we say the word debunk today. Probably not. My mom just told me she's listening. So no, mom, we're not really drinking. It's a joke. It's supposed to be funny. Uh, But we are going to tell you what you really need to know about buying and selling and maintaining your biggest asset. Uh, So I mentioned uh, we talked about uh, drinking to the word debunk on Facebook. So if you haven't found me on Facebook yet, please look me up there. Uh, Follow me. There's going to be all kinds of good, really good information that um, my associate producer, Rachel, is going to be posting today. Links to some of the things that we're talking about. So find me on Facebook, Deb Tomorrow Realtor. Uh, joining me as usual is the best lender in the whole damn state of Indiana, Karen Rastel. Uh, are your vocal cords warmed up today, Karen? I think so. I've been practicing uh, all morning. You've been saying yeah. shiplap, shiplap, shiplap over I and over again? I have been, absolutely. Okay. And if that doesn't make sense to you, you need to listen to last week's show available on download on the Voice America Network. Uh, but I have a feeling that, Karen, you're going to be doing a lot of talking today, so I'm going to pass the baton and slack a little bit and hope that you can make up for it. Um, Last week, we talked about 10 things you need to know about working with a realtor. So I want to do a brief recap of that because I had a lot of really, really good feedback from that show. Um, Some questions, some people even in the business from title companies who said, gosh, I never even knew that it worked like that. Um, So if you need more details, again, you can listen to that uh, show anytime to download on demand uh, while you're working out, you know, while you're trying to go to sleep. It might be something good to listen to. Um, So I know we started off the show talking about Chip and Joanna Gaines again. So I feel like they're going to be my friends now. So, you know, call me. Um, And we talked about the word shiplap. Still looking for some examples of shiplap on my Facebook page. But then we got on to the more serious subject of what you should know to help you be smarter about working with a realtor. We talked about what a realtor is, and we went through the realtor oath and what are the licensing requirements and who pays a realtor, um, which led us into the conversation about who does a realtor work for, uh, and that led us to limited agency. So, Karen, your bonus question today, what does limited agency mean? Uh, Limited agency is where the same realtor is representing both sides of the transaction. And how do you say realtor? I say realtor. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's pronounced realtor. Yeah. 
So we may have to stay after class and work on that a little bit. Um, okay, excellent. So that's limited agency. Now, what about procuring cause? That's your bonus question for two gold stars. Oh, I was going to say for, you know, $5,000. I was going to say uh, that is when the agent that shows the house is the one that should be writing the offer. Right. So whoever shows you the house is the one who you kind of are stuck working with. So make sure you interview the realtor before you even walk in the door. Uh, and we talked about interviewing a realtor and a little bit about the kinds of questions to ask. My favorite question is, tell me about when a deal went bad and what happened and how you handled it. I think that could be very telling. So make a note of that. Um, And then we talked about my favorite subject, which is how to get a realtor to call you back. Um, One thing I forgot to mention that I thought was really important, so I wanted to bring this up real quick, is that if the realtor doesn't call you back, then go ahead and move on. It's okay. Uh, I had a young couple last year called me on one of my listings. I explained uh, procuring cause, limited agency to them, and encouraged them to interview realtors. They called me a few weeks later, wanted to go back for a second showing at that same house. And I asked them, had you been interviewing realtors? Had you found someone? And the husband said, well, my wife has a realtor that she really wants to use, but she won't call us back. And I was... I, I was speechless. I didn't even know what to say. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, we've called her like three times, but she hasn't called us back yet. And, you know, it's been over the course of a couple of weeks. And I said, well, why won't you just move on? She's like, well, my wife just thinks she's really nice. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I have a good answer for that one. But anyways. Uh, okay. Then we talked about how to pronounce a realtor uh, and how to open all those doors. So um, now that you know kind of some of the secrets to working with realtors, we're going to turn our uh, attention to the financial side of things. And I asked you this, Karen, in the first show a couple of weeks ago. But why don't lenders have reality shows? I have no idea. I mean, don't why. you think it could be super dramatic? Like, will they or won't they qualify for a home? I think it would be a fantastic you show. Jeopardy see. music as Absolutely. you're like waiting for the, you know, accept or deny kind of thing. Or, you know, uh, will the house pass appraisal? My gosh, that creates drama in my life every day. Um, will the underwriter look at the file today? Who is the underwriter? Mm-hmm. Come out from behind a, a dark curtain because we never see them. Uh, will the disclosures get uh, signed in time? I I hear these stories all the time from Karen about she's jumping in her car and driving all over town trying to hunt down buyers because these disclosures have to be signed by a certain time uh, several days before closing or they can't close at all. And so she's always running around town trying to find them. So I think that'd be a good HGTV. Are you out there? No, nobody's answering. No one's answering. Okay. Well, if anybody knows anybody, right? Um, Almost every single person that I talk to about real estate has some incorrect information about mortgages. And it's not because they're naive or they're dumb. It's just how many mortgages have most people gotten in their lives? I mean, Karen, how many mortgages have you gotten in your life? Two. Two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've probably had, well, no, I guess I don't count because I have rental properties. But I think, uh, you know, outside of rental world, you know, three maybe. It's not something that we do uh, very often. And how often do the rules change? Every day. All the time. It seems like. All the time, yeah. I'm always in absolute amazement at the amount of knowledge that is inside the head of a really good lender. I don't know what you use to study. I'm envisioning like war and peace size reference books, just like super (laughs) thick things. And you're just like sitting there, you know, with your highlighter reading them. I don't know. It's just crazy. All the rules and regulations um, that you all have to keep track of. Um, 
So it's just not something, you know, mortgages aren't something that regular people do enough to know a lot about. So naturally myths and inaccuracies uh, develop. It's kind of like that telephone game you used to play. There's a lot of uh, information that kind of gets passed and twisted as, as it goes down from one person to another. So there's a lot of really good information in today's show. I am not going to rush through it. Um, that's what I tell myself anyways. So I'm thinking that this is probably going to become a two-part show because as I was working through it, putting the final touches on it today, I was like, oh gosh, there's just no way I'm going to get through all of this. But I think it's important stuff. So let the debunking begin. There you go. Take a drink. Uh, so myth number one, it will be easier if I just go to my own bank. They already have all my information and they know I'm a good customer. Myth? Absolutely. I guess this is sort of in my opinion, too. I'm here to tell you what my opinion is, and then uh, Karen's going to tell you what the reality is as as a lender. I'm kind of just telling you things from my perspective. Um, I don't think it'll be any easier if you go to your own bank. It's still going to be a little bit of a pain, not a horrible pain usually, but just a, it's it's not like you just walk in and smile and they give you money. There There is some work that goes into it on the side of a buyer. Um they, I think, Karen, you can tell me, this is my supposition. Okay, I'm going to put this forward. I think that mainly because mortgages are so regulated by the federal government now, there aren't a lot of shortcuts or special treatments. And that's why it's not really going to be any easier if you go with your bank that has your bank accounts or a bank that you have a car loan with. Well, there are a lot of regulations that we all have to follow, but also... Um, you know, and I know we're going to talk about this in today's show or even next week's show, is that not all banks will sell those mortgages onto the secondary market to an investor who is going to be servicing that loan. So it is quite possible that um, a, a bank or a credit union may make an exception to a policy if they're going to keep that loan and service it themselves because of maybe a, a relationship or not a or the, the client isn't a credit risk, so they may be willing to work, you know, with a borrower. But at the same time, um, not all programs are offered by all lenders. So depending on what a, a buyer is needing um, or interested in, that might, they may not find that at their own bank. Right. Yeah, I know we run into that a lot here in town that there are some, uh, there's a good credit union, but it doesn't offer um, all of the loans that some of the first time homebuyer programs that that would work for them. So um, that is a good point that uh, not all banks offer all kinds of loans. Um, And I don't know that it's necessarily a fair assumption to say that it will be cheaper if you go with your own bank. So I think that if we debunk this myth, we're going to say that it will be easier to go with the lender that you feel the best about. I know that's kind of vague, but we're going to talk a little bit more as we go along in today's show and uh, about some of the questions to ask um, in terms of how do you determine who is a lender that you feel the best about. So um, let's talk then about uh, myth number two, which is that mortgage brokers, as opposed to going to your bank, mortgage brokers are shady. True or false? Let's debunk that myth. I don't think that's to be true. I think that in every profession, obviously, there are shady people, um, but it is not a blanket statement. And I think where this came from was um, 
all the subprime and all the mortgage crisis in 2007. Um, I'm not going to go into all the detail and explain that here because that would be probably another show in and of itself. But Rachel's going to put up some links on uh, on Facebook. There's a really cute um, YouTube video that I found that sort of explains the mortgage crisis and then an article as well. Um, and a lot of people put blame on that whole mortgage crisis of 2007 on mortgage brokers. But in reality, all lenders were involved. Um and it, and it was just sort of the, the way of the market and a frenzy that sort of occurred and property values increasing um, and, and not having a lot of regulations. So, and I have a quick story I want to tell about that just to sort of illustrate that point. I actually, you know, we hear a lot about the subprime loans and that's what got uh, got us into this mortgage crisis situation several years ago. I actually had one of those subprime loans. It was a uh, stated income, which meant that I just had to state what my income was. This was before I was a realtor moving down here, needed a house, uh, hadn't really thought through. It was a spontaneous purchase decision. And I went to a, a, a lender at a very, very reputable bank. It's a regional bank, um, still has a very good reputation. I still have a lot of bank accounts there. And they said, I said, I need a mortgage on this house. And they said, okay, we have this great stated income loan. Just tell me what your income is. And I said, this is what my income is. And they go, oh, that's not quite enough. I said, okay, well, what do you need me to state my income to be? And they said, oh, you know about this much. I said, okay, my income is this much. I said, okay, here's the loan. It's pretty much that easy. Uh, it was an adjustable rate. Uh, and obviously, I was one of the people that I think those loans were sort of designed for. I knew that within a year or so, I needed to refinance into a 30-year fixed rate. Um, it was just something to kind of get me in to the situation at hand. Um, so I was kind of lucky with how that ended up. But my point with that was, we did not go to a shady broker. We weren't paying $14,000 in brokerage fees or anything like that. It was a very, very reputable bank. So being a mortgage broker, going to a mortgage broker isn't um, directly related to being shady. There are, I could tell you other ways to be shady, but being a mortgage broker is not necessarily it. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, mortgage brokers. There are three options on where you go to get a mortgage. Now, this was something that I think has always been a little bit confusing to people, too. So we're going to explain this after the break, uh, going to a bank, going to a mortgage banker, going to a mortgage broker, and you are going to be the hit of the next party because you will have such interesting things to talk to your friends about over that glass of Malbec, right? That's yeah. your wine of choice, Malbec? Okay. So we are going to go to break, and we will be back in a few talking about mortgage brokers. Thanks for listening. Stick with us. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back today talking about debunking mortgage myths, all those things that you've heard about from your friends. Are they really true? Uh, And we're going to tell you what isn't true, but what is true. So we are talking about mortgage brokers, mortgage bankers, and a bank and what the difference is. Um, This is something that I don't think I even understood until I had been in real estate for a while, that you basically have three options on where to go to get a mortgage. Now, Karen, again, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Just just smack me across the face or flick me on the forehead, okay? Because I'm just going off of what my experience is on the real estate side of things. So there are basically three options. You go to your bank, any bank, you can go to a mortgage banker or you can go to a mortgage broker so let's talk about what each one of those is and um, I might let you chime in a little bit on the advantages and disadvantages of it but a bank is typically what we think of it's a local brick-and-mortar financial institution they offer mortgages as well as traditional banking services like checking and savings and uh, you know car loans and things like that the uh, federal law requires banks to use a certain percentage of their deposits for lending purposes, so that's why they do mortgages. Um, the one thing I guess that I've always found really interesting between a bank and a mortgage broker is that banks um, don't have to have the same licensing. A lender at a bank doesn't have this have the same licensing as a mortgage broker. They don't have to go through all of the testing. Is that right? That is correct. Um there are different licensings for a mortgage broker versus a mortgage banker. Okay. So, so each one of these three that we're going to talk about have different levels yeah. of licensing. Yes. But a bank has probably just as many regulations, but not as much licensing required for your person that is originating your loan there. Yeah. The originator still is required to register with the uh NMLS, they're assigned an actual number. They are a licensed person to do mortgage loans, but they fall in, under the umbrella of the bank or credit mm-hmm. union that they work for. Okay. Uh, and then it's important to understand, too, that a bank is limited. Uh, if you go to a bank for a mortgage, like we talked about, they're limited on only offering mortgages, obviously, that their bank offers, whereas sometimes mortgage bankers and brokers have a wider variety of loans that they can offer you to find a better fit. Um, so then a mortgage banker is sort of the next step up in that it is a, a – how do you explain it? Because it gets confusing at this point. I feel like the the main difference between a mortgage banker, which is uh, the type of company I work for, versus a mortgage broker is that we sell directly to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mae, so the mortgage industry. So when we sell our loans, we have our own warehouse lines. So we are... Um, w- we have our, that's what I want to say. Like we have our own, own money, money to fund the loans. Okay. When you're dealing with a broker, they're kind of like the middleman okay. that is shooting it out to all these other lenders that can give, in, give the best rate, best, you know, product program available. So they just kind of serve as a, as a middleman 
between the borrower and the loan servicer. So for a lot of people, they might have experience with something similar in the insurance industry, right? Where you can go to, say, State Farm and go directly to them and you buy State Farm policies. Yes. That would be like a mortgage banker um, where they're kind of doing the the loan themselves, doing the insurance policy themselves. Or you can go to an insurance broker who then shops and does does the shopping for you. Absolutely. Shops all of these different loan options, different lenders. They may be talking to a Wells Fargo and they may be talking to a Chase and they may be talking to all other kinds of companies that we've never heard of. and trying to find you the best deal. So they're kind of out there selling and saying, hey, I've got this great buyer. Here's their um, interest rate and here's their debt to income ratio and who wants to you know, jump on it and give a loan that way. So a mortgage banker uses their own money, much like a regular bank. But a regular bank does yeah. a lot more. A mortgage banker just does uh, loans. And then a mortgage broker doesn't. They're just, like you said, the middleman. Um, there was an interesting point in this article that I was reading that I think Rachel's going to put up on Facebook, that uh, a bank, most of the people, and I don't know if you can answer this or not, because I know you're under regulation too, um, but it suggested that lenders who work at banks are salaried as opposed to mortgage brokers and mortgage bankers who are typically commissioned. So they may not have as much... um, I don't know, interest in customer service. You can plead the fifth. No, I, I mean, I I personally would disagree with that because there are what's called loan, origin, loan originator compensation rules. So it really depends on that bank or that financial institution on how they want to pay those loan originators, whether it's a salary plus a, a bonus incentive. I mean, so everyone's structured slightly differently. Um, I think a myth would be that if you are salaried, that you may not work as hard for your client. But um, So we're going to debunk that myth? We may debunk that myth. I think we should debunk that myth because I, I thought it was interesting that it was in this article and I wanted to bring it up because I think if people um, go to Facebook and, and click on the link and read it, that that might catch their eye. And I don't want them, you know, I have... I had great experiences when you worked at a bank and with other lenders who have worked at banks. So I don't think that that's necessarily fair. Um, But that's something to consider, too. So mortgage banker, mortgage broker, and a banker are your three options. So then the question is, do you make your decision based on that? Does it matter which one you go to? And again, I'm going to interject that I don't think it does. I think that it matters um, that you're comfortable with who you're going with um, and that they have the right products for you. All right, here is another myth to debunk. Um, You can tell I like the word debunk. That's two drinks. Thank you. All right, I should make my decision on where to get a loan based on the interest rate. We hear this a lot. I'm going to call around and find out who has the lowest interest rate. Do you get that a lot, Karen? People call in and they just want to know the interest rate and nothing else, really? They do. Okay. They do. I try to keep them on the line a little bit longer because I'm one of those weird lenders that want to get a little bit more information before I just quote an interest rate. And would you agree that this concept of APR, annual percentage rate, is the best way to shop? Yes. So when a consumer is actually, you know, shopping lenders, uh, they should be looking at the APR and not just the interest rate that's being offered. 
you know, as I think you're about to go into more detail, but the interest rate is the rate at which you repay the loan. And the APR is taking in consideration other costs associated with it. So if I'm offering um, a, a particular interest rate, and but the company, my competitor is offering a lower interest rate, but their APR is higher than mine, then they have additional fees that I don't have. Right. Karen's legally not allowed to talk interest rate numbers, but no one's regulating me, so I can. So let me give a kind of an example because this is what we see, and and I think it was this was something that was not um, disclosed a whole heck of a lot back in the day of 2007 when all the mortgage crises were going on. So if today's interest rates, one lender has say is offers an interest rate of three percent, and another lender offers an interest rate of five percent, people are going to say, hey, I'm going to go with this lender that's at three percent. However, if you look at the APR, that's going to take into account all the lender fees and um, all of the points and brokerage fees and any other fees that are involved in it. They kind of roll that up into the whole loan and use that for comparison. And what you might find is that the lender who says they're only charging 3% interest for calculating your payment has an APR of maybe 6% because they're charging tons and tons and tons of fees and that's how they make their money up they're not making their money on the interest rate they're making their money on the additional fees that go with it and maybe the um the lender who is charging five percent interest their apr is five and a half percent because they're not charging any a lot fewer fees so hopefully that makes sense um, apr is a number that the federal government requires lenders to disclose because it is a way that you should shop your mortgage we always laugh because when we're sitting at closings there's a document that um, buyers have to sign that shows what their apr is and at that moment in time is always when the title company tries to explain to them what an APR is. And they look very confused because they think that's not my interest rate number. And we have to explain to them, no, it's not. And they sort of act like it's the first time they've ever seen what their annual percentage rate is. And we laugh because the government put it out there as a way to help consumers shop loans and make sure that they're making the best choices possible. And yet most people don't even know what that APR is until they're at the closing table and ready to get the keys to their new house. So this is, if you've followed me on my uh, last two shows, we've talked about this concept of demand to understand, waiting for my t-shirts to come in on that. So demand to understand what your APR is. Your lender should be able to uh, shoot that information out to you. They should know that off the top of their head about as easily as uh, yeah, they should. Yes. When, when they're quoting an interest rate, your lender should be also quoting the APR. Yeah. You have to do those together. So you can't just quote an interest rate without quoting the APR when you're giving a quote. Even to someone who calls up and just says, hey, what are, what's your 30-year fixed rate today? Um, you have to always quote the APR. Good. So then that is the number you want to be listening for. Demand to understand what that APR is. And uh, you'll impress your friends with your knowledge. I promise. Um, all right. We are going to start briefly uh, on uh, debunking myth number four, which is I should make my decision on where to get a loan based on, this is one I hear all the time, who sells my loan? And only go to lenders who don't sell my loan. So let's talk real quick about what that concept means. What does it mean uh, to sell a loan? So most lenders 
Um, there is they originate the loan, which means they make the original loan for you. But then do they service that loan? Is that who you make your monthly payments to? For a lot of lenders, it's not. They're not set up to um, to service lots of loans. That's a I used to work in that industry, and it's a very complicated process um, and involves a lot of labor, and you need to have a large company kind of do that. So most of the time they will sell their loan off to someone else. And somewhere it's kind of gotten out that it's a bad idea if your loans are sold. And so there are people who have been told by someone down through the telephone line that we have to only go with a lender who will service our loan for us. So if you get your loan from, you know, Impersonal Savings and Loan Company, then they hand your loan over to even more Impersonal Savings and Loan Company. They're saying that's not good. I'm not going to go to that lender. That, in my opinion... And in my personal experience is a bit of a myth. Uh, My opinion is that it doesn't really matter. Um, The terms of your loan can't change. Those are set. So even if your loan is sold, um, that can't change. So you can't walk into a bank to make your payment. I don't know if that really matters because most of us pay online anyways. I think the only time I've had this hurt me personally was when I refinanced my home uh, and my loan was sold and the new servicer charges $5 a month to pay online. And that's the only time I've ever, can you believe that? No, I can't. Seriously, yes. I am talking to you, Central Mortgage Company. Come up with a better, more creative name too. But don't make me pay $5 a month to pay online when I'm making your life easier by paying online. But anyways, oh, I digress. We should probably go to break so that I can calm down a little bit and then I'll get your opinion on loans being sold. So we will be right back in a few minutes. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back. We are today debunking myths about mortgages. 
I thought I started with a list of 10 myths um, after I started working through this. I came up with at least 15, and we are through four, so I'm pretty sure that means that next week will be part two of the mortgage myth debunk. So stock up your liquor cabinets and drink every time we say the word debunk. We had just finished talking a little bit about does it matter if I go with a lender who sells my mortgage who won't necessarily be servicing my mortgage for the life of my mortgage. Karen, did you have anything to add after my little rant about Central Mortgage Company? I think the only thing I was going to add was that um, I, as a as a homeowner, it does sometimes when your loan is sold multiple times in the first three or four years of you owning the home, you start to get a little frustrated because just when you're uh, understanding how to pay online and do all that with one servicer, it's being sold. But at the end of the day, uh, your terms never change, no matter the number of times that your loan is sold to a different servicer. And I personally can't remember ever needing to call my mortgage company with a question about my payment. So Right. And I only can think of like one or two lenders here in town who uh, don't sell their mortgages. So I guess the other thing I would say is that if you base your decision on that, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a lender. You're going to be really limited in your choices. So that's something to consider. So we've talked about should you base your loan on interest rate, and we've said no, you should base it on APR. Should you base your loan decision on um, who sells the loan? And we said no, that doesn't really matter. Should we base your decision on where to get your mortgage on if it's a shady mortgage broker? And we decided no, mortgage brokers really aren't that shady. Um, uh, and that you could go to a bank, you could go to a mortgage banker, you could go to a mortgage broker. So what should you base your decision on? Um, Karen, what do you want people, as as the lender, if we are deciding to come with you, what are the things that you want us to base our decision on? I think who is available. Um, a lot of times it is hard. We should probably do a show on how to get a lender to call you back <laughs> or how to respond. Um, you can't tell them you're pre-qualified like you do with a... No, you can't. I mean, a lot of times the, uh, I would say there's a certain generational group that does want immediate responses and it isn't always that quick and simple. However, I, when I'm with my clients, I kind of say the same thing is that they should be interviewing their lender just as they're interviewing their realtor, who is responsive, who is kind of going through the process with you, um, explaining, you know, what's about to happen and what the steps are, who is this magical person called the underwriter, um, those type of things. But, um, you know, how do you want to be communicated with? Um, do you have email? I've had clients that do not have email, so they do need to do things over the phone or in rare occasions like come in and meet in person. So, you know, and the other thing is, you know, are they, do they have a, I guess, a good reputation in town? Will they close the loan on time? Mm -hmm. Because what I hear on the realtor side of things is certain lenders can't close on time. They're always asking for extensions for the closing date. So those things too should be important to a buyer. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot of the questions that you ask are almost the same questions that you'd ask when you're going and uh, interviewing a realtor too. Um, And I would agree. I think one of the reasons I encourage people to come to the realtor and then ask the realtor for some recommendations on lenders is because we certainly do have that knowledge of who closes on time and who doesn't and who creates sort of undue stress and and who doesn't. Um, The other thing that I would say, this is my little soapbox, is do they have experience in the area? Um, it's very easy. Now, lenders are licensed by state, right? 
Yeah. Just like realtors. So you could do a loan anywhere in the state of Indiana. And there are lenders who are out of state, but will hold multiple state licenses. So there may be someone in Missouri, but they're licensed in Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Florida or Mm -hmm. something like that. I have found that in my experience that it is sometimes easier to have a local lender. Um, Someone that, A, you can go in and yell at face-to-face. Not that I have ever done that but that you have that option that you don't have to just worry about. Are they going to return my phone call that I have a place that I can go and talk to this person if I need to talk to this person? Absolutely. And some people need, uh, may need more explanation about the process. They may be a first time home buyer and they've never gone through this. So sometimes they're a little bit more comfortable doing that in person and actually seeing that loan originator that can get a little tricky. Obviously, if you're not using a local lender, um, if you need to be in the same time zone, that's helpful too. <laughs> I do have buyers that have said thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go with, you know, a particular online lender, which I'm sure is reputable. But you know, um, very kind. A lot of times they end up coming back to me saying, you know, something's fallen through. Can you can you help facilitate this transaction? And then I am behind the eight ball trying to, you know, get to the closing table on time because I'm coming in later right. in the transaction. And I think um, as well, um, just having knowledge in that local area, every real estate market is different. Um, I know sometimes using out-of-area lenders, we end up with appraisers that aren't familiar with our area. Mm -hmm. And and that becomes a big issue because how can you appraise a home in a market that you're not completely familiar with? Um, Every market has quirks. We have a resort down on Lake Monroe, the lovely Eagle Point, and uh, that's a, a bit of a quirky property just because of the number of rentals and the number of snowbirds and things like that. And uh, it takes a a lender to really kind of understand our market to be able to do loans on those properties. So there's some issues like that as well. Um, And then I think, now this is completely, I I hope this doesn't come across as snarky, but I think that local lenders have a different concern about their reputation um, because they know their business is coming from local that, you know, if you've got a lender who's doing business in six or eight different states, I'm just one tiny, tiny community in his big old bucket of places where he can do loans. And if he makes me disappointed, I'm going to say pissed off, but my mother's listening, so I'm not going to say pissed off. Sorry, mom. Uh, But if he makes me pissed off, (laughs) it's no skin off his back. You know, it just doesn't really matter. He'll just move on to the next community in his giant bucket of places where he can do mortgages. I think that if, you know, a local lender is more limited, they do work a little bit harder. Now, that's not to say a blanket statement, but I certainly have experienced that more times than not. Um, So if you are one of those lenders, I certainly don't intend to offend, and you are more than welcome to contact me and give me your information, and uh, and I will be happy to, um, you know, talk to you about what an awesome lender you are, because I know there are a lot of really great, hardworking lenders out there, but just sort of in generality, this has been my experience. All right. Oh, I'm going to move on to this next one, but my head might explode because this one drives me insane. So myth number six to debunk. If I get pre-qualified, I can't get pre-qualified because it'll hurt my credit score. So I don't want to talk to a lender until I have an accepted offer on a house or just sort of the general. Uh, I had someone tell me this last week. I, I don't talk to a lender until after I find found a home. Um, so do you want to talk about that? Because 
I'll probably say things that my mother will. (laughs) Okay. Um, As a lender, um, I always like to be proactive versus reactive. So in my opinion, um, you know, let's say a person knows that their credit is great and it shouldn't be an issue. Um, That's probably all true and dandy. However, there's been occasions where there could have been something that appeared on a credit report that was unknowing to the client. It could be like a small medical collection item that insurance didn't cover from some something. So it was little things like that that I I definitely want to at least, you know, have someone pre-approved before they go and search for a home because if they end up not being qualified, however, they have an accepted offer and, you know, there's nothing that I'm able to do then I don't know, I I get real personal with it. I feel bad for these people because if they would have come in sooner, we could have, you know, went through all of this and, you know, try to work out some things prior to them actually writing an offer on a home. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's nothing worse. I joke when I teach my home buyer classes, the number one rule of working with Deb is that there's no crying with Deb, which is not necessarily true. If you need to cry, that's fine. I'm totally down with that. But I don't want you to be set up for disappointment. So I show you a house that you absolutely love. And then the lender says, "Mm, no, can't qualify for that. Uh, That certainly is disappointing. And it sort of taints the rest of your uh, home buying experience. But Karen, talk to me a little bit about this idea of getting pre-qualified hurts your credit score because it's true to some extent. It is true. But it shouldn't paralyze you with fear, which is what I see. No, and and I would say historically when I've had a person call or want to come in and talk to me about that, um, typically when that happens or when someone gives me that statement that there's usually something that might be in their credit to where it, this may significantly impact. But yes, an inquiry on someone's credit, depending on what type of inquiry it is, and I think we're going to talk about that later in the show, it will have an impact. Now, my understanding is when your mortgage credit is pulled, um, it you will not see an impact on your scores until 30 days later. Um, so if you are shopping mortgage lenders, I do recommend my clients to be doing that in, in the same time frame that they're shopping, you know, that they come and see me. And get their credit pulled. Um, But usually what ends up happening is that there's some correlation that if you've got good credit and your credit is pulled for a mortgage pre-approval, it shouldn't impact it as as much. If you're someone with so-so credit, mediocre credit, maybe this inquiry would make a huge impact. So what do you mean by so-so credit? Like something in the 650, 675, 680 range? I will just say the higher your credit score, Mm -hmm. the better your interest rates that are available out there for the loan programs. Um, So if this is one of those things that you're not allowed to talk about because of federal regulations. Yes, correct. Gotcha. Okay, so (laughs) I'm going to answer what I think is the answer, which is typically most mortgages around here. You know, 640 is sort of like the base. There are lenders who will do it for 620. There are some very special instances where they might do a 580 credit score with a much higher interest rate, um, but it's typically 640. Anything below 680 is sort of like you got to work a little bit harder. Anything over 720, you're pretty golden uh, is my understanding. So, um, yeah, if... Uh, if you're if you're under that 680, you might want to have that conversation with your lender before pulling their credit score. 
but you don't want to wait until after you have the accepted offer either because something could come up. I just had a, a closing last week, uh, and this has come up with this client a couple of times where he's got things on his um, – it's not on his credit report, I don't think, but it's on uh, when they do a judgment search. It comes up that he owes somebody like $4,000, oh, wow. and it's, it's just somebody with the same name, but it's not him. But at some point, that could show up on his credit report. And if he's not monitoring it, he doesn't really know that, um, then that could, if he found the house of his dreams and all of a sudden he's got to fight this out with the credit bureaus and get that removed from his credit report, that can be a three-month adventure if, you know, possible. So um, you want to make sure that that's all all taken care of. So, um, okay, so it will maybe hurt you a little bit, but it's a good kind of hurt. It is, especially if you want to get into the house of your dreams. And it, so, and one thing I thought I heard you say that I wanted to reiterate too is if you are shopping mortgages, don't they recommend that you try to kind of do all that, say within a week's period of time, if you're going to have multiple lenders pull your credit score? I think that's the time frame I tend to give people because I'm not quite sure, you know, um, at what point will multiple mortgage inquiries make an impact. But I definitely recommend my clients to do it in the same calendar month. So if you're going to see me the last week of March, um, I don't know if I'd want to go see another lender the first week of April because that lender in April may pull your credit and it may be a little bit lower than what I just pulled in March. Does that make sense? Yep. So we'll talk a little bit more about credit score and some of the uh, mysteries behind uh, the credit score and some of the myths behind credit score when we get back from the break. So let's throw it to break. Make sure you check me out on Facebook while you are listening to break. And we'll be right back. the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 and ask our all-star team to answer your question that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com are you interested in buying or selling a home not sure what the next step is Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back for our final segment. We are debunking mortgage myths. 
Uh, we are through six of my list of, I don't even know how many I ended up with on my list. So this is definitely going to be a part one series. So make sure that you uh, put us on your calendar for next week's show, uh, Tuesdays at noon uh, Pacific. And I have a hard time with that Pacific. <laughs> noon Pacific, 3 Eastern. I live in the Eastern world. I forget there's a whole West Coast out there. Hey, West Coast. Um, also found out, uh, just looking at numbers, that we've got listeners in Poland and China and Russia. So I'm going to have to learn how to say hello in those languages so that I can reach out to my international audience. Didn't we say we were going to try and trend worldwide last week? Yes, you need to do that. Apparently we succeeded. So yay us. So we were talking about um, people not wanting to pull their credit score, feeling like their credit score is going to hurt, having their credit score pulled uh, before they were ready to get their loan before they had an accepted offer on the house was going to hurt their chances. Um, and so we have debunked that myth. But as a corollary to that, uh, here's another myth. Freecreditreport.com says my credit score is 650, so I shouldn't have a problem qualifying for a mortgage. Uh, I get that all the time when I have new clients come in, meet me in my office. I kind of always casually ask them, you know, what's your, how's your credit? What, what do you know about your credit? Tell me. And they say, oh, I pulled my credit score or I get it on my, it's on my Discover card statement. It says that it's 647, so I should be fine. Um, so I always explain to people then, and I use big fancy words, so it makes me sound smart, that the credit bureaus have something like 27 different algorithms uh, to figure your credit score depending on who pulls that credit score. Um, so I always use the example, you know, every time you go through the checkout line at Kohl's after you're buying one of those cute little discount shirts, uh, you know, look at those great sales and buy a shirt for $3 at Kohl's if you look hard enough. Uh, you go through the line and there's in our, uh, in Bloomington at the Kohl's, there's a lady named Jan. She's always there and she sells more Kohl's credit cards than I think anybody in the state. It could possibly be a national honor that she has. She has won awards and she always says, you know, let me get you a Kohl's credit card. You'll get whatever it is, 10%, 20% off. And then you can just go pay it off and. Anyways, Kohl's probably pulls your credit real quick when they do that, and they really just care that you're breathing and alive. Um, And a mortgage lender cares a little bit more about other things. They're caring about how much debt you have, how much debt potential you have. So they look at all of your credit cards, and not just what your balances are, but what your limits are. Oh, you gosh, you have the ability to pull $60,000 in uh, debt from a credit card. You may only be using $10,000 of that, which is still a lot. Um, but they look at things like that. They look at your late payments. And what else do they look at, Karen? Do you know? It's a mystery. And I think that's the thing that drives people crazy is we know that there's something like 27 different algorithms for figuring your credit. But how it, it's not like there's a spreadsheet that we can all plug our information into and then be like, oh, my credit score should be this. Yeah, I think the, the three major credit bureaus uh, definitely don't share how they calculate a credit score. However, I have been told that depending on the type of credit that's being pulled, whether it's a mortgage credit inquiry a revolving credit inquiry or an installment loan, such as like a car loan or boat or RV or something like that, that those scores are calculated differently. Um, Besides what you've already mentioned, which is your credit limits, the proportion, I think the official word is uh, the proportion of balances you carry to the credit limits of those cards, as well as... um, the type of inquiry, they are looking for the type of trade line someone has, whether it is all revolving, um, maybe you've got a student loan that's an installment loan, maybe you have a previous mortgage. So I think that they're looking at the types of uh, trade lines that you also have out there when calculating that score. Okay. So uh, 
we've not done anything to make it any clearer how credit <laughs> scores are figured. And that is because, and I honestly think there's probably a dartboard involved at some point. I don't know. But my experience has been that when your credit score is pulled for a mortgage, it's lower than probably any other time that a credit score is pulled. Do you think that's a fair and accurate statement? I would say that's a fair statement. I've had people show me what they've yeah. gotten from their Discover card yeah. or other online services that provide credit scores yeah. and or car loan, yeah. a car dealership that just pulled their credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that once with a car loan and I laughed and laughed and I said, that's not really my credit score. Because in my world, my true credit score, in my opinion, is what I need to get a mortgage just because that's the world that I live in. Now, I don't want anyone to feel like they're slaves to mortgages. I feel like if Dave Ramsey were listening to this show, he would have turned me off by now (laughs) because he's so, you know, we don't want to be slaves to credit scores. But the reality is that most of us have to get mortgages and you have two options. You either have a good enough credit score to get a mortgage or you have a credit score of absolute zero because that's a possibility too, right, Karen? to get a mortgage with a credit score of non-existent. Yeah, it wouldn't be a credit score of zero. It okay. would You would just not, not have, have, a, credit have a credit score. Like you wouldn't exist to the credit bureaus. Correct. Okay, so that's a myth. Gosh, I didn't even put that one on here. Wait, I have to write it in. <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm going to put it on my list here. So I don't have credit, so I can't get a mortgage. That's not necessarily true. Oh, debunk. Debunk. Excellent. Okay, so... Real quick, what what would a lender do if you didn't have a credit score? There are certain loan programs uh, that if, for like the company I work for, the we may have a program that does allow for what's called non-traditional sources of credit. Um, in those cases, what they're looking for is if we're documenting someone has absolutely no credit score. This is not to uh, get mixed up with derogatory credit, bad credit, no credit history at all, no credit scores. We can look at non-traditional sources of credit, such as your last 12 months of rent payments, uh, cell phone bill. You probably have a car, so your car insurance. Um, I think I've used a Netflix account. Um, oh, my goodness, really? So utility bill, something like that. So That has to be in your name. It has to be in the borrower's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone doesn't have, typically it's about four types of non-traditional credit. But if they can provide, whether it's canceled checks or bank statements showing the automatic payments for the last 12 months, there could be some loan programs out there that would allow for that. And it's interesting um you know, this is something, a message I want to share because I do know a lot of people listen to Dave Ramsey and, you know, talk about not having credit. Um, and, and he often says, you know, well, you don't have to have a credit score in order to get a house, but you do need to be aware of what your alternatives are because what I've had happen is that, you know, if rent is one of the things that can be used as alternative credit, maybe they've been paying their rent in cash because they just run their budget on a cash basis. I totally respect that. But if there's no receipts and there's no proof, I had a client a couple of years ago and, oh, my gosh, she was one of the best uh, borrowers that you could come across. She had no debt. She had a great job. She was not over-purchasing. She was, you know, well within her means on what she was looking at. But she had paid her rent in cash and had no record of that. Her parents, nicest people ever, um, were, she was still on their cell phone. 
she was they were still had her car insurance like under her umbrella um so i think she had like two utility bills no she had one i think she had electric and everything else was paid for by the apartment so in her rent and she just had nothing and we could not for the life of us uh, find a mortgage for her we ended up uh, going to a local bank in her parents' hometown, and her parents had to co-sign for her. Um, so it's something where if you are shooting for the Dave Ramsey goal of having no credit, totally fine. But make sure that you are doing some things to create some sort of track record if your goal is to buy a house at some point in time, because you will need that um, information. So. All right, we are close to the end of the show here. So I want to figure out what our top tip, um, besides trying to say the word debunk as many times as possible today, that's everybody's goal out there. I want you to go to my Facebook page and uh, just post the word debunk. That'll make me happy. Post it in Polish and post it in Chinese. That would make me really, really happy. Um, Karen, what do you think our top tip should be since you are our expert? I think the top tip should be sit down with a realtor as well as a lender before viewing and making offers on a home. Excellent. Pull that credit, get qualified, um, ask the questions, demand to understand. Remember the difference between your interest rate and your APR. Um, Don't necessarily just go with the lowest interest rate, but look at the whole picture. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be back next week debunking more mortgage myths. And uh, as always, uh, if you need to rehash this show, you can listen again on demand online. Look me up on Facebook. Find me on Twitter at Deb Tomorrow. Signing off for this week. We will be back next Tuesday. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.